0: The Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other
1: interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common Common sense. sense.
2: Good day. Good morning.
0: Well, it's morning here.
1: It is. Yes. It's a snowy, snowy morning. Snowy yes. morning,
0: November, First what is this? 7th. 7th. This will air
2: two weeks. And we're not pleased. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I got up at 5.30 with a raging headache, came down, and from my kitchen window, mm-hmm. there's a fence, and you can see the top of the fence with the snow on it. And it's just a little dusting, and I'm getting my, you know, medication, I'm like... Oh, for fuck's sake. So then I went back to bed with an ice pack and my meds. And then I came back at 730 in the morning and it was like two inches. (laughs) Yeah. The
0: fuck? It picked up like in the early morning. It it stopped now, but it did pick up. And I have rushed through this early morning. I drove my grandkids to school today. Um, Not because I'm afraid of walking in the snow, as you know. It's just I don't have proper footwear This (laughs) this, <laughs> this year, I'm completely off, caught off guard. And then I had to clean off the car, and my car clean offer thingy
1: yeah.
0: wasn't in the car. So I had to go back in the house, find it. So it's been a little, it's felt a little bit rushed. And then nobody on the road know, knew how to drive, as yes. you
1: right? Now. I left my house at 9 a.m. And what time did I get here? 10.20? 10.25? Mm-hmm. 10.30, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. People get... It's Freak. that first snow. It always freaks people out, I think. Yeah.
2: And, oh, my God. White stuff falling from the ground. It's yeah. the apocalypse. Yeah. And the, no, it's weird, Canada in the wintertime.
1: It is. And the weird thing is, is the roads weren't bad. No. The... Everyone was just going somewhere between sixty and eighty, and it wasn't
2: like there was a lot of even people out there at this time. They could have been like me though. I haven't gotten my snow tires on yet, so I mean, I'd be, I'm going to be fucking terrified out there. But but there was nothing on on the road. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Wet and it's still minus. So it's just
0: like uh, driving. I mean, yes, it's, but it's it's not that cold out. It's nothing's freezing. the uh, The water on the road is not freezing.
1: No, not at this time of day.
0: Yeah, so anyway i mean i remember clearly as the the only immigrant at the table (laughs) i can tell you i remember my first snow ever like my first snowfall ever walking to school one day were you like in awe oh my god i could not believe it was like a miracle (laughs) Because I'd seen snow on TV and I had always had images of, you know, building snowmen and having snowball (laughs) fights and stuff like that. And so when the snow came down, it was just, it was, it was like magic. I think it was November or December. And I had come to Canada in May. So I'd gone through spring, summer, fall, and finally snow. I, I think I went home that day and wrote my friends. Uh, all about it it was I would it was send you so awesome mm-hmm. you know imagine in the middle of the road walking to school with my arms spread out just spinning around with my mouth open. <laughs> that when you more. Could yes. actually do that
2: yes yeah and the snow wasn't gonna kill you or burn your skin yeah um, God so yes I oh, do wait, remember my apocalypse. first snow
0: So whenever the first snow comes I always say remember when you were so excited about snowsy and remember that day oh it's really hard to hold on to that. Magic, but yeah. All right. This is a Pragmatic doulas podcast. In case you didn't know, where we talk about stuff. stuff. Birthy things. Doula things. Doula things.
1: Mm-hmm. All yeah. the stuff you Parenting need to know. Things. Parenting Parent.
0: things. All the stuff you need to know. Some stuff you don't need to know. <laughs> and everything in between. A few curses
1: thrown in there. We
0: curse. I curse. We burp. Yes. You burp. I burp. Yeah. We sometimes eat donuts, but no not donuts. today. Not today. Not today. No. We're cutting down.
1: We've cut back. Yeah. We've taken it easy. Yeah. It was getting a little out of control there. Our donut babies so- <laughs> are growing.
2: <laughs>
0: we need doulas to help us with
2: our donut baby. My donut is currently sitting on my lap. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, yeah. yesterday I went shopping and it was cold and I was like, oh. I need to bake cookies, I need to have hot chocolate, I need to have whipped cream, I bought candles, I'm like, I'm getting ready for higa. I'm yeah. getting ready for higa. Yeah. You wanna, yeah. So I said this to my middle son, and he gives me this look like, the fuck are you talking about? I can literally see Thomas's yes. face as you said He's that. He's like, what? What's and higa? I go, I go, Higga! And he looks at, he looks at Allie and goes... The fuck is Higa? Mm-hmm. And yes, my children swear at home. I we've talked about this. Um, and Allie just doesn't even look up from her homework and goes, "That's eh, a witch thing." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "No, it's not. It's not. It's actually. a winter cozy. It's gets- a Scandinavian
0: word. Yeah. I don't know what cozy. Nordic Scandinavian. I don't know what exactly what country. I think it's Denmark. Okay. That it comes from. There was a whole show I watched. I listened to a podcast about it. Right. And oh, the little book of hoga—they pronounced it like oh. the, the people on that show. I don't know who's. Don't look at me. I I'm not know. saying. And so there's a whole book called the Little Book of Hoga or Higa.
2: Yeah.
0: <clears throat> that tells you how to basically cozify your home, how to like make it cozy well, and lovely, that. so that all throughout this hibernating, inner reflecting season you could feel really good about it so you burrow down in your house you make sure you have soft fuzzy blankets and warm soothing drinks you you set it up like yep. you consciously make
1: it like that i love it
2: yeah
0: i we I, talked I, I about that
2: it.
1: didn't we like your space making your living room space yeah. feel cozier. Like- that was cozier. that was last week before yeah. we left yes yeah and I've, I, I'm, I'm there for it. Kim has yes. blankets. She has pillows. She has yeah. a, a chair and a half. One of those chairs that's like one and a half chairs wide. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which is perfect.
0: Yeah. And um, I'm liking my living room much more these days than I have before. But it's still not cozy because I don't have TV in my living room. So it feels like... Okay, now that we're sitting here, now what? It's, it's the just, reading room. It's just for sitting. No, uh, no. no. I have a no. beautiful have a reading, reading area That's upstairs, right. and I don't, I don't want to come downstairs to read. Um, and it's very often full of boy stuff. Yes. Boy's clothing, computer Boys things. Yeah, stuff like that.
1: I was going to say, do you have Febreze the fuck out of everything then?
0: No, I, I don't like Febreze, but <laughs> it just continues to smell. Like,
2: I see. Yeah. So whatever. we are, we are so, entering the hoogus season. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love the pre- preparation for inside life for the next few months or so. Yeah. And talking about your dreams and your thoughts and your inner stuff. I love that. I, I do. I don't like the minus 15. No.
1: Pass on that. That forces you to stay
0: inside. <laughs> but I like the idea of a season where we acknowledge that there's not a lot of sunshine. It gets dark early. We need to all be inside and sit around the fire and talk about our feelings.
1: i guess we <laughs> ah, talk about. I don't talk about my feelings. our seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> let's talk comes. about our, yeah. Let's
0: talk about how depressed I'm going to be until April. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: pretty much. Yeah, but it is that like I, we're you know today we're talking about post or postpartum. Oh my God, that's such a good way. at you this also can you imagine having. Having a baby at this time of year. So you...
0: Whoop, whoop. Hello. So... I had four babies at this time, of, did, time of year. And I I had...
2: Well, I had November and March. And I had October. However, I read a study recently, can't remember the name of it, that uh, indicated that... Because I always felt that postpartum depression was... You are more at risk for it in winter. Mm-hmm. However, this study says that is actually not true. Really, you are more. There's statistically more cases of postpartum depression in the spring and summer months than there is in the fall and winter. Get out! I know. I was blown away by it. Yeah. Well, okay. Hold on. So, <laughs> because you see, this is disrupting a
0: foundational belief. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Mine too. So I'm thinking to myself then. When people have their babies in the bright time of year we all expect that we're going to feel a certain way and then when we don't we peg that as a pathology and probably seek help more potentially maybe yeah. that maybe that's the reason behind so it might very well be true so the study is correct that there are more cases reported of postpartum depression in the in the bright seasons as opposed to the dark seasons but that may I'm thinking that that may
2: be why just because of we kind of expect expectation it. yeah
0: we we expect that we're gonna feel like Ugh, and a little bit blah in the dark time of year so it feels almost normal when we feel Ugh. yeah I don't know I'm just yeah I don't know it's one of those things about studies when people say oh this and that and I and I'm like mm.
2: yeah well I always say you've always got to look there's always more than yeah one piece what's to the, the reasoning behind yeah.
0: that is it that yeah is that like Really true. Oh, the sun makes us depressed. Is no, that no, what I you know? What I that's mean? what they were saying. What's the conclusion? It's we expect to feel good mm-hmm. in the summertime, and when we don't, because of hormones and other n-
1: no support and stuff, then we're like, This is we're wrong. less likely to tolerate it. Yes, mm-hmm. more likely to say, Excuse me, something's wrong here. Usually, yes. I'm ready to walk yeah. a mile yeah. or five yeah. at this time of year, but or get right. out by the pool or anything. and I'm so not if you're feeling I'm not like feeling you want to stuck yourself
0: inside. Yeah, but when you feel shitty. Because it's dark at 3 p.m. and you're sitting on the couch nursing your baby for the 18th time for the day. And you're just starting the witching hours. It oh. it kind of feels like, well, of course I feel shitty because look at this. Yeah, It's dark is. at 3 p.m. It makes sense. So you, you kind of maybe are more inclined to sit in it a little bit longer. I don't know. That's my very non-scientific... <laughs> Speculation about mm-hmm. why that's it's, it's your my pragmatic nose. approach. My
2: pragmatic approach. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, as I say, when I read it, it kind of blew me away. Yeah, because it doesn't what? it doesn't make like doesn't logical make sense, sense to me. But so it's I still worry more for winter mamas. People. Yes. Um. And their and their risk of postpartum mood disorders. Mm-hmm. However, when I had mine, and it was diagnosed, it was with my summer baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Once you were diagnosed, but were I was you diagnosed seven months after. Which is not uncommon. Yeah. So it was she was about seven months old when I finally sought help. So
0: <clears throat> you guys both went through that mm-hmm. with all with not all your babies but No. And I can say at a little tiny bit of something with my last baby, um like the blues yeah. Yeah. But I do not recall feeling like that with any of the, I, I could I don't think I that affected me so what were you feeling at let's say week two
1: early uh, on literally I don't remember to be do you, do you remember? Honest? not so my postpartum depression I had a little bit with Kira but Kira again we talked about tolerating Kira was October so I was like oh I need to get out I need to put on my shoes I need to take the baby yes. for a walk I need to get out and yeah and it was um and I had, like, the episiotomy from hell, too. So I was walking, like... Yeah. They told me to keep my legs together, but all I wanted to do was, like, keep them apart and yeah. not have anything touch anything. But not being able to get out and do the things I wanted to do because it was fucking cold in mm-hmm. October of 1992 um, was really hard on me. So I didn't peg it as postpartum depression at the time. Again, talking about summer babies and stuff yeah. like that, I just thought, it's dark, it's 3 o'clock, it's... Mm-hmm. I, I need to be out. Yeah. But I, I couldn't, and yeah. I couldn't... I couldn't push the stroller it hurt my perineum floor too much so, I used, so you just I'd, figured I feel shitty because I I can't get out when I really want to get that's out. that's right mm-hmm. but with Abby she was my summer baby where and that was the worst worst postpartum mm-hmm. two weeks out I remember actually you've heard this story before sitting in my closet mm-hmm. I went back to my bedroom closet <laughs> and sat there for a little bit thinking at two weeks out is my incision ever gonna heal am I ever gonna like my kid and it's like, I love my kid, but I didn't know my yeah, yeah, kid. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and who the fuck am I? Like, I, I did not recognize myself at two weeks out. I was like, I don't even know who I am. Cause I don't recognize these, yes. this lack of feeling that I'm having. Yeah. Yeah. This empty space yeah. that I'm having. So mm-hmm. I'm just going through the motions. Every single day was just going through motions. Yeah. That was it. Hmm. And it was I was th- again. There, it was strange that in that time I had this little bit of gratitude mm-hmm. th- that I'd had two kids already, and I knew the motions to go through. I knew who Stephanie, the mother, who I knew myself to be. Yes, with, I knew how she behaved.
0: Yes, and so you were able to just step into
1: those shoes yeah. and walk that walk, yeah, pretty much. But the emotions are all like they just weren't there. It was empty. It was empty. It was just, it was a system to get things done, but there was also rage. So there's also, very easily at two weeks out, Roger would attempt to, God love this man. Um, who wanted to be here? I don't know why God he's
0: still with you. God Jaws love this man. <laughs>
1: yeah. he,
0: he does. does he's face. placed a halo around
2: his head. <laughs> he's a fucking saint. He would
1: bring me food <laughs> to the closet. <laughs> just meet me where I was at. <laughs> he would just shove it under the door. <laughs> Stop. I just
0: want to... know. Here's, here's some, some, here's, here's some tacos. <laughs> and he shove it under and then back
1: away really quickly. <laughs> he'd bring me a drink. Just check on me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can see. <laughs> and he'd stand there and wait to see if you'd throw... Do you remember that scene in The Color Purple? Which one? This is, this is what I'm thinking. When when Seelie brings... A tray of food mm. for Shilg, and she 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 quickly shoves it in, and then stands back. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, the tray and all the food comes <laughs> right flying back right out of the room. Out of the room.
2: Oh That's God. exactly what I'm thinking. but <laughs> Roger did. It could did. be like that. Yeah, I could be like see you in the closet with pillows and blankets, i'll hug it out. yep with my book, <laughs> with the darkness and the coats of. <laughs> so where's the baby <laughs> at um, this point? Sometimes
1: she was with me. Sometimes she was in my so uh, my closet. You took her in the closet with you. Sure. I was this <laughs> big what? closet. Was it a big walk-in it, closet? one but it was a walk-in closet yeah. and um oh, but my relate. bed if you open <laughs> my either, my but... walk-in closet if you open the door my bed's right in front of me so she would just kind of be up there where i knew she was okay and if if she needed to nurse i would just pop up and grab her mm-hmm. or maybe sorry not pop up go over on my hands and knees slowly push myself up <laughs> shuffle 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 to the bed because i was still healing mm-hmm. and um try and get into bed lean up against something because i couldn't lay on my side to, to sideline nurse her and then nurse her and then go back to my closet um But, um, yeah, it was just like a lack of feeling. Roger would come and he would try to help parent and I would lose my shit. So this is where I had, I felt nothing until Roger would try to interrupt what I knew I needed to do. And then you
0: felt rage.
1: Then I felt full outrage. Mm -hmm. And so there was one time where I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up off the bed because my, the pain was so bad in my incision. Um, so it's also important to point out that not everybody has a bad recovery. I already had endometriosis. Mm-hmm. I already had a lot of pain in my uterus stuff. So, um, but, uh, he literally did not. He, ref- I said, bring the baby here. Cause she was crying and, Actually, I said, bring Gabby here. For some reason, I kept calling Abby Gabby for, like, the first three (laughs) weeks of her life. Not even... Poor thing. And he's like, Abby, your mother
0: loves you. She really, really,
1: really loves (laughs) you. Roger then tried to mansplain from the door that I needed... I obviously needed some rest. He was going to go downstairs and get me some food. He would take Abby with him and... And he was walking, he had the, holding her like a football, and he's doing the gentle shake, and he said, I'm gonna go get you some food, you obviously need to rest. And I'm like, bring me the child. And he's like, no, you need to rest. And so he's now overruling me, I'm like, oh, the shit, I'm looking for things on the side table to To, throw. To throw at him? And I'm like, I will fucking kill you if at this moment, you do not bring me my baby, Mm -hmm. put her in the bed beside me, then you can get me whatever the fuck you want. But right now... I am going to get up out of this bed, and we're going to have a bigger problem. And he could see it coming, and he just slowly brought Abby over. Later down beside me, he's like, what do you need? I said, I need you to get the fuck out of my room right now and stop telling me how to parent my child. He's like, of course. He's just trying to help me manage post-surgery and everything. Well, then this
2: is his first child. That's right. right? This is also Roger's first child. So so Roger's like, holy shit, this is how it works? (laughs) I, I wonder... It just would be great to actually get his perspective because I wonder if at that point he's like, Do I call 911? Do I call the doctors? Do I have her committed? Is she a danger to herself and mm-hmm. the baby? Is she a danger to the baby? Like, you're telling me the story, and I'm like, There's no fucking way I would have left that baby with you because you were a maniac. I was a maniac. I was
1: a maniac that needed to be in my bed, my closet with my baby. And the the weird thing is, is I also needed to be with my older two children. So as soon as they came home, I was so disconnected Mm -hmm. from being able to do what I knew I was supposed to parent them as. So I am supposed to, when they were coming home, we always, like I went downstairs, I got a snack for myself or, you know, made them a snack. I ate whatever's left over. Um, had everything left out for them when they got home and just checked in on homework and shit when they got home and I couldn't do that. So, that, it was like, it was all taken away from me. So that's where I think the rage came from. I felt like yeah. whatever this was had taken it away from me. Mm-hmm. So how,
2: my question is, is... And he was off for a month. You've never talked about how this got fixed. It,
1: oh, it was so unhealthy for like a year. Um, Shit. There was, yeah, well, I went A year. A year. So you know that I, I love working out. Mm-hmm. I love working out. I always have... Um, and it's always we, been we, again, we know I this. Can't really. Yeah, can't From a distance, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> but it became my saving grace mm-hmm. afterwards because I needed something that was just for me, that was just something I needed to do. And initially, it was just as soon as Roger would walk in the door, I would say, you got the kids. I would put the baby in the carrier and I would just go for a power walk. And then eventually got back to the gym and that became my saving grace every day. <laughs> but and this is what made it more of a syndrome okay. or a mood disorder is if I didn't the rage came back. Mm-hmm. And there was still a hum of rage going through me at all times. But so long as I got out, got that serotonin moving and stuff, I felt like a little bit more myself. There was just yeah. enough serotonin to kind of bring me back in. But as soon as something would interrupt that... I, I never had any rage at the kids. Yeah, um, It was all directed at Roger. It was all completely directed at Roger. Poor mm. bastard. Yeah. Um, yeah, that poor guy. But it, really, it was... It wasn't until almost I left, maybe Abby was 18 months old, before I recognized it as a disorder and I went to talk to my family doctor about it. Because I just didn't pinpoint it. I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I just, I was not myself. And you would have thought that that would have been common sense at that point. Well, I mean, but it, it was wasn't. your third baby,
0: so you were m- m- sort of expecting...
1: I figured I would know if I yes. had postpartum depression, yes. but I yeah. didn't.
0: Because it was your third baby, so what the fuck?
1: That's right. And mm-hmm. I was busy, too. When you're busy parenting, it's like, I don't have fucking don't time have for this. Time
2: to, you don't have time to, to analyze yourself or, or yes. even get the help. Yes. No. You have no time to yeah. actually step back and go, I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because there's you literally have three children, one of whom is like literally attached to you
1: 24-7. Absolutely. And I was busy. Like, I was... I made myself busy. I made busy work mm-hmm. to keep myself moving. It was either that or I was going back to the closet. That was really the two things. I either kept moving forward or I was in the closet. Mm-hmm. So I stopped going to the closet after the first three months. Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah. Wow. And, um, yeah. So I, nothing got fixed. I, and I really didn't go to therapy until it was a while after. It was a while after. And then I got more therapy after I had Megan because I think after I had her, I realized there was some other shit that needed to happen. So, so when you after, when you had Megan, th- so your fourth baby, yeah, you recognized it sooner. Is that- no, I didn't have postpartum depression. Oh, you didn't therapy. have it. Oh, nope. Okay, okay, you didn't have it. At um, all. All. But not having it and not having postpartum depression and being postpartum really made me realize again. It's like, oh, I still haven't dealt with like forgiving myself for this and mm-hmm. all these other things. So yeah, went back to therapy. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy.
2: So you talk about, you were asking, you know, the first two weeks. Yeah. Because that's kind of the key is that for two weeks and they don't actually even, I've noticed, call it kind of the baby blues anymore. They actually call it normal postpartum adjustment because in theory, that's what it is. Normal postpartum adjustment. Yeah. So for the first two weeks, yeah, shit's bad. They're, it's 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 a mess it's hard life is surreal you don't know what you're doing you're recovering you're You're trying to figure out feeding you're not sleeping you're not necessarily eating like i say in
0: class there's fluid leaking out of every hole in your body that's right you're sweating yep Yep. you've got that
1: special essence your your own personal smell (laughs) (laughs) Um, mixed in with some milk if you're taking fenugreek
2: and blessed thistle you're smelling like maple syrup god jesus (laughs) um And then after that two weeks, like towards the end of that two weeks, things in theory should be starting to taper off and you should be starting to see, I would even say three weeks because there's that three week growth spurt too, where feeding is a nightmare. Um, But towards the end of that, there should be a light at the end of the tunnel. If there isn't, then yeah, we now are delving into postpartum depression and it Sometimes at that point it almost just be you like you're saying like you just feel like almost that it's your new norm like this is just who you are now and and it fucking sucks ass but you know when I had um, so with Will I had some pretty bad at the time baby blues yep. um, I would sit there and cry for no fucking reason <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. sitting there watching Oprah. <laughs> Mm. Christmas special. <laughs> That'll do you it. You know, <laughs> I mean, that makes you cry at the best <laughs> of times. I want a refrigerator. You're <laughs> going to go. You're going to go. I want a car, too. Yes. I you had know.
1: a fucking 10 pound baby.
2: I deserve a car. <laughs> That's yeah, great. exactly. I just pushed that bastard out my vagina, for God's sake. Um, <clears throat> and And that was pretty bad. So we were, when I had Thomas, we were kind of expecting you know, to have a bad time again, but actually did not. He was, everything actually went well. And I don't know if it's because we just prepared better for it or whatever. Um, mm. But then with Ali, it was, it was truly seriously exhausting. And for me, I always thought that depression was feeling sad and sitting in the dark and not leaving your house and, you know, all of this stuff. But I was like you, it was rage. <laughs> I was a total super bitch. And I also had this underlying thing where I wanted to run away. I wanted to just get in the car and drive away and just leave everything behind. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be around. I didn't want to die. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, certainly wasn't suicidal, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like staying, because I had to stay, made me angry. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And and the only reason I did stay is because I had to feed Allie. Makes sense. She was she was why I had to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but when. I finally, I was on a message board and somebody was talking about their postpartum depression and they were talking about how angry they were and and stuff. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The fact that I'm losing my shit over my kids' socks not matching, Mm -hmm. that's not good. (laughs) That's not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And went to see my doctor. And I did some, I think I was, Ali was seven months at the time. And, at started medication and, and some talk therapy and the medication didn't work to start. And then we tried a different medication and then that worked for a little bit and then it stopped working. And then we tried another one. And I think I went through like five before I found the one that actually worked. Um, but it, for me, it kind of changed me as to who I used to be. but I also didn't want to run away, and I also wasn't raging all yep. the time. But I felt <clears throat> numb, like I. Yeah. And so it's like a trade-off. Yeah. Which doesn't—it's not always good on your side. No. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I mean, also the medication also lowers your sex drive, and you put on weight, and all this other stuff. So it was just a compounding effect of you know feeling generally like shit. Hmm. Um, And not realizing at the time that that was probably the beginning of the end of what my marriage was actually going to be. So at that point, I think I ended up, I stopped taking the medication for a while just because I couldn't feel... Nothing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it takes away the rage, but it didn't take takes away everything. It takes else everything too. else. There was no joy either. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you say. You know, you were really kind of just faking it till you make it, mm-hmm. right? Every single day, and that is exhausting. Yes. So oh, exhausting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I think as a doula now, I, I watch those first two weeks. So I make sure that I am talking with my clients in those first two weeks and trying to get the lay of the land of, you know, this is why it's important when you're a doula is to, to know who your client is before. Mm-hmm. What were they like before? Who are they now? And after the birth, who are they? Like, are they, has there been a change? Because oftentimes when you have postpartum <clears throat> depression, you're not going to say, I have postpartum depression. You're just going to yeah. keep faking it till you mm-hmm. make it, Right. And it's usually somebody else who has to say, hey, something's not right here. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Let's talk about this. And some of us are really good
0: at faking it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Really good actors.
1: Yeah, Because you're faking it to yourself as well, right? You're trying to fake that you're okay because you want to believe you're okay. Yes. You really want to believe Mm -hmm. that shit. So you're hoping Mm -hmm. it just goes away if you fake it long enough.
0: And if, if you're used to being a people pleaser in your pre-pregnancy life Mm -hmm. and you're used to being a people pleaser or being a peacemaker Mm -hmm. the diplomat the person who doesn't cause waves the person who smooths things out yeah it is really hard when you find yourself in that place where something inside of you is churning but you're not the person who says Hello everybody, something inside of me is churning and I need some help. Nope. Yeah. You're gonna say, no, I you want you wanna continue being the peacemaker, the diplomat, mm-hmm. the one who smooths everything out, the one who makes everybody happy and people pleases and all of that. You don't all of a sudden That's your identity, become right? this yeah. yeah, because you know, we so see you don't all of a sudden become so self aware mm-hmm. that you can recognize that something is different. Like mm-hmm. you know, life is different, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be aware of That small little churning thing that's happening inside of you. Or the
1: big churning thing that's happening inside of you, I guess you could say. So Kim, if you had a doula when you were going through your rage and everything like that, like let's just start with your immediate postpartum period. What what would have been the the ideal situation for you? How would have someone been able to sit with you and come to you and say, here's what I'm seeing that doesn't line up with what I know you to
2: be? Honestly, I don't know, to be completely honest, because I think for me, I'm not the person that, though, to, and yeah, I mean, doulas, we get to know them and things like that, but to me, the only person really that I'm going to confide in is my mom. So mm-hmm. she was the only one that I can open up and say, you know, mm-hmm. I, this shit is not working for me. Like I don't understand because I know that she would help and I know that she would do anything that I asked. So I don't know necessarily if I'm a people pleaser. I don't know if that's sort of who I am or
0: somebody who does not like asking
2: for help. Yeah. One, it's probably for one more, reason or another. Yeah. It's probably more like that. Yes. Um, Because I just thought I was supposed to do these things. I was supposed to be, you know, a mother of three. And I was taking in kids at that time, too. Like, I had, at seven, eight months, I had two other children that I was looking after. Home daycare. Yeah. -hmm. Um, So, and that was, you know, to bring in money. Because, you know, my husband was going to work and all of this stuff. And yet, sitting there, feeling totally devoid of an identity, um, I would never have said, you know, I really don't feel like myself because I honestly, I think at that point after three children, I didn't know who myself actually was. So it was really a stranger on a yes a site. Yeah. On a Yahoo fucking Yahoo group. group. This, cause this was way before this was before Facebook. Yeah. Um, and you identified with, them. and I identi- I identified with that and, Did I actually, did I talk to my husband who was supposed to be like my best friend and the person that, you know, I was supposed to confide in? No, I went to my mom and my mom was like, okay, well, you need to make an appointment with the doctor and I will go with you. I was like, okay. Yeah, let's do this. And really it was I told the doctor, <laughs> I said to the doctor, So just to be clear, I'm pretty sure I have postpartum depression. <laughs> I've done this, my research this, this and this and this is what's happening and, and she looked at me What and, do you recommend? And she and she was writing stuff down. And she went, Yep, yeah, I'd okay, say that's right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so here, this is how we're gonna handle that. So for me it was um, so we talk about, you know, so how, what are the next steps when you actually do recognize, you know, what that's happening. But before we do that, so we got, um, you talk about, you know, people not asking for help. So doula Dominique says, you know, why, oh, why do we find it so hard to reach out for help? Well, why is, why do new mothers really, new birthing parents find it so hard? Is it because of this? Stigma of social media that everything has to be perfect. Have we created a false sense of that? What, might be now, but yeah, that doesn't speak that's, to. That doesn't speak to me. Yes, and yeah. it doesn't.
0: Like I said, I don't. I I did not have postpartum depression. I Had a little bit of a ragey thing happening with baby number five, but um, I think the. I mean, I don't. You haven't spoken really about your support situations afterwards, but I can. I can honestly and legitimately say that. I had so much support. Yeah. After every single baby, not just my mom, but my sister, my cousins, my aunties, I literally lay around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is what you're supposed to do. And, yeah. and I, I mean I took that for granted. As if you grow up in that, you take those things for granted. It's only when I got I became a dual, and I realized, oh shit, people don't have that. And that is a really huge contributing mm-hmm. factor to this problem. So, to be clear, that's the situation that I had. But I think that personality is a part of it. Mm-hmm. I know people who shall remain nameless. Nicole.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> who shall quietly remain nameless.
2: She um, probably doesn't listen anyway. She, she does not.
0: <laughs> uh, who does really have a problem with being uh, asking for help. Your self-image prevents you from saying... And I know that was that little tiny bit of ragey thing that I had with my fifth baby, that that was what it was all about that. I had my fifth baby. Everybody in my family knew me to be this like super mom. Mm -hmm. And I liked that image of myself. And now I couldn't do it. I couldn't keep it up Mm -hmm. anymore. And so I needed to ask for more help than I was getting. At that time, because all that support I got, because I kept on saying, no, 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 I'm good, I'm strong, I can do this, people sort of backed off and left me alone. So with my fifth baby, I did that. I said, I, I only need this much help, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I loved the idea that everybody was going to see me the way that I wanted them to see me, and then I couldn't keep it up. And then I got mad at myself for not. Right. Because all that rage, it was it was. At myself. Mm-hmm. I was mad at myself for not being able to keep up with who I wanted to be. So it's all about identity. It's yeah. about image. It's about...
2: and Your own <laughs> and, personal images. Y-
0: yes, my own self-image, how I thought about myself, the person I wanted to be, and why couldn't I get there? Why couldn't I do it? Why is it so hard this time? That didn't last for very long. I would say about a week or two weeks that went on. Had a big blow up. My mom
2: started coming back. Mm-hmm. She started to come back to the house. See, I had, my mother was working, so she was not able to be there. Um, my mother-in-law, I don't know, I never, I never saw her as someone who I could ask for help. <laughs> mm-hmm. They would have, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, they always kind of made it so... They always kind of put out this vibe, and they said flat out, you know, like these are your children. We're not looking after them for you. and it was like, okay, it's like okay. So then that made me feel like I can't approach you to come and help me out. Yeah, at like that, that point, that, same, even though now here, I here. realize that probably wasn't that wasn't even remotely what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'd also left my job, so I had been I'd worked for a chemical company and was actually a manager of a department and that had changed. I was no longer that anymore, and I was of this belief that maybe I'm supposed to be like my mother-in-law, who was a stay-at-home mom, and, you know, her house was always perfect, and she always had, the children were always fed good food, and there was always, everything was all in one place, and everything was perfect, and yet I was living in... Squalor? Well, not squalor, (laughs) but like... That's what I kind felt like sometimes. Um, I'm like, what is this? My house is a sty. Yeah, like my house was always messy. My kitchen was yeah. always messy. Yeah. The one thing I could manage to do every single day was clean my sink. Mm. I could fly vim. Lady, like the flask was going to yeah, say, fly I could, lady. I could vim the sink and then I was okay. Um, but then, the, you know, when my husband came home, I had to have dinner on the table. And, I, and this, I'm like, I don't. I don't know if this is even who I am. And I don't know if this is even what I want to do. I want to stay home with my children. That I knew. Mm-hmm. That I knew. But all this other stuff. Like, I think if we'd, <laughs> if we'd just gotten a cleaning lady <laughs> or something, you know, uh-huh. I think maybe things would have been made a, a little difference. bit easier. Yeah. Because yeah. the pressure to be this perfect stay-at-home Yeah. Beverly Cleaver, or not Beverly Cleaver, June, this, June, June, June Cleaver. Cleaver, how dare um, you, You're right. t- Beverly Cleary, Cleary. <laughs> Beverly Cleary, that's right, um, who's still alive, by the way, oh, it's like 106, oh, Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah, she's like, um, bet her house is spotless, um, she probably has a cleaning lady, all that Ramona money, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was supposed to be this June Cleaver, and, you know, having a perfect house for when my husband came home, and that overwhelmingness, um, and this expectation that I believe, because also my ex-husband, that's what he expected as well. And I couldn't live up to that. But keeping in mind, too, that I wasn't that person beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, so my yeah, my house was think, always a fucking mess before I had babies. So why the fuck?
0: June cleaver. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Doesn't work that imagine way. Imagine what happens, like a baby comes be- at your pom-pom, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, Woo! Woo! I can clean the house. You get
2: pearls in a yes. vacuum cleaner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and you wear those shoes while you're doing it. That's right. Yes. My daughter's high heel shoes. Yeah. Back
1: in the 50s, did we talk about June Cleaver? They sent oh, women home with uppers and downers. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, they no were, wonder you were fucking cleaning. Yeah. yeah. So all still.
0: of this stuff was still happening, but it was happening underneath the, yeah, the guise the, of medication. The, like whatever that. the. What the, was the. Number one antidepressant back in those days. Prozac. Okay. Prozac yeah. or, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Underneath the Prozac, all of the shit, the rage and the depression and the We're sadness and the loss and you, of identity and the confusion was still
2: happening.
1: It. You did it with it was a just
2: plastered ass medicated smile on your face. That's yeah. right.
1: You did the, your upper when you got up in the morning and yeah. you did your downer after dinner Yeah, to get ready to and relax. Maybe and maybe
2: throw some gin in there in that afternoon. That's right. So my mom, my mom was, uh, she worked outside the home and we went to daycare we or no we went to do we go to my grandmother's i can't remember in the very beginning um but when we went to school we went to a neighborhood lady and the ladies at just that lived down the street these two neighbors mrs holmes and mrs Grable, they would sit in their in their driveways and whatnot and watch my mom coming home from work and they would gossip and, and, and say all these oh, mean things about my mom. Because she worked outside of the home. Because she worked outside of the home. Meanwhile, they were all barely functioning alcoholics. Yeah. Um, sitting there drinking all day long. And then... But and things the, appeared nice. Things appeared nice. Yeah. Um, because they had a perfect house and they had all this loveliness. And meanwhile, the one's husband was a raging maniac and probably abusive. Um, And the other family just literally disintegrated in the early 90s. So it's like, you know what? I think the way I just kind of couldn't deal with who I was anymore and didn't want to have that plastered face on and said, I can't do this anymore. I need help. I think that in the long run was better for me as a human. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably not for my marriage or anything else, but whatever, that shit's done. Um, But... That helped me, as you say, find who I was as an individual Mm -hmm. and made me feel a lot better about who I am and ended up becoming a doula as a result. And now I have this really amazing thing that I do in helping other people. I I think that it also speaks to what we were just saying before
0: about studies and stuff. Like I've heard people say, oh, there's... um, an increase in the incidence of postpartum depression, an increase in postpartum mood disorders, and that may be I think part of that is true because we don't have those built-in family support systems anymore and I believe in I can feel it in my waters <laughs> that that absolutely plays plays a role, right? That you're going to feel away if you don't have that built-in support. And so that you're forced to ask for help. Yeah. Which we actually shouldn't even have to do. No. But a part of it is that Really, how much of an increase is it? I think a lot of it was already there, but it was being dumbed down by societal expectations, alcohol, and other kinds of self-medicating things that people were just dumbing it down. And now we live in this age, thank goodness, where we're so much more aware of mental health and how that ties into your whole well-being and so people are now being encouraged to say, "You need to talk about it. Speak up. Yes. If you feel shitty, say it. Say you feel shitty. Here are some things to help you feel less shitty." And we live in a time now where people are doing more of that. So we, I think that that has shows has shown the increase. That's what shows the increase. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, I. I, think I don't, we're I don't demanding think
2: better now for ourselves. Yes.
0: We're more aware, and we're more saying it's okay. To not yeah. be okay. Yeah. You you
2: need to say, I'm not okay. And I need to have something in place. And what you're feeling. I've always said this. And I said this to my kids too when the marriage di- disintegrated. It was like, you know what? Look, guys. Anything you feel, that's valid. Any feelings you have are valid. Feelings can't be wrong. So you can't sit there and say, well, I shouldn't feel like that. No. If you feel like that, that's okay.
1: Let's talk about it. Yeah. I think some of the, one of the biggest challenges, I know with me, with clients or and with friends who would call up and say, I'm not myself, mm-hmm. um, getting them connected with resources. Yes. So there are not enough resources. No. No. Um, nope, nope. I, not even near enough. This no. time last year, a friend of mine who i would known for years, she had gone through, she had PCOS, she had gone through um, fertility treatments, she finally went and saw... Um, A naturopath who got her on a different kind of system and she got pregnant and she had a wonderful pregnancy and then had postpartum depression right out of the gate and uh, didn't feel like herself. She knew something was wrong. Well, having fertility treatments actually does increase your risk of having postpartum mood disorder. But because she'd been through all of that and she had a wonderful partner and she had... Fertility issues and stuff. She's supposed to be this again, additionally grateful for your baby type thing, yes. and asking for help. Yes, she's. This is what the story she tells herself, and kind of the expectation she had was that she's supposed to only feel gratitude right. because yeah. of everything she'd been through to get this baby. Yes. Um, so we got her on. We we talked about all these different resources. Uh, you know, there's wonderful, wonderful resources in the sense that we have cam h we have the Whitby Health System, we have. Um, the women's health program, but she was feeling overwhelmed now. She mm-hmm. was feeling that she might hurt herself now. Mm-hmm. She was feeling mm-hmm. dark and but like she weightless. didn't want to pick up her own baby because she was worried she was going to hurt them now. And everywhere we called, everywhere we emailed, the only thing available at the time was medication and a six month wait list. Do you hear my stomach growing? Oh my <laughs> God, sorry. I'm starving. <laughs> I thought that was Jack. No, sorry. <laughs> Yeah,
0: so like a
2: six-month waitlist is ridiculous. See, for because someone what who's she having... needs,
0: she needs somebody in the house right now. Yeah, this is and okay. So I know this is like pie in the sky utopian dream. People in that situation can't be on a six-month waiting list. No, this is, this is where we suck in terms of our mental health supports. She needs somebody to come in and sleep with her, mm-hmm. like literally, snuggle up with her in bed and hold and her, nurture her, and yep. nurture her, and say, "Don't worry, I'm going to take care of the baby." And to take some ease, ease her mind a little bit, ease her body a little bit, she needs somebody to come and sit with her for three hours in the afternoon while she cries and feed her soup and rub her feet or whatever. Yeah. That's what she needs because a six-month wait list to go out of your house somewhere, maybe in the dead of winter, Mm -hmm. to sit and speak to a stranger Sometimes, I mean, if that's the best we have and that's all you can do, then that's what you do. Yeah. But I so believe that that's what people
2: need. I had a that. client recently. So I how long ago was this? Um, a year ago. Okay. So I had a client now, um, last month, last month, month before, um, she was recognizing that she wasn't doing very well either. And her and her partner were very open and honest talking to one another about it. So... I encouraged her to go talk to her family doctor because I also recognized that she just was not in a good place. Like when you walk into, when you walk into a postpartum house mm-hmm. and all the lights are off
1: and mm-hmm. everything is
2: dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Red flag. Yeah. That's kind of a red flag. <laughs> um, but she had to the woman's college, she was referred mm-hmm. to them by her family doctor Um, I think she had a two-month wait list. So I think things are starting to get maybe a little bit better, but still, even two months, like, that's crazy. And that was just for the intake. Yeah. That wasn't to get help. That was just for that initial intake. So I'm not sure sort of where things traveled from that point on. But Mm -hmm. we got her some help at night. She had some night uh, doula support. Um, And then she ended up, I think, going to live with her mom for part of the week. So, so, something else that I wanted to say, and then I got it really got to go pee.
0: <laughs> sometimes, with awareness, hmm, sometimes when we as a society become aware of a certain thing, we have a tendency to over pathologize stuff. I think that we can all agree that having a baby, like, The whole process of pregnancy, birth, bringing the kid home, looking at this kid and realizing, holy shit. I got (laughs) to keep you alive. Yes. Yeah. Is hard and intense and overwhelming and scary. And now we're asking you to do it probably by yourselves. Maybe if you have a partner with not a lot of support from extended family, neighbors and community and so on, that that shit is just plain and simply hard. Yes. That's it. Plain and simple. It is hard. And a lot of the times when people feel that hardness, we pathologize it and say something is wrong with Mm -hmm. you. And so therefore you need something else. When a lot of the times, so there's a spectrum, right? Yes. It is always hard all across the spectrum, Mm -hmm. but people on this end of the spectrum sometimes just need to be told, I've done this so many times with my clients. Yeah, it is hard. And you see their faces like, oh. You mean I'm not, there isn't something wrong with me? No. No, it is hard. It is hard. And so the hardship that you're feeling is actually normal. Outside of that now, that's a different story. Yeah. But there is a realm of normal. And even within that realm of normal, we need to acknowledge that it just is hard all across the spectrum. And it isn't always a pathology. It isn't always something that needs... Further analysis, medication, therapy, or whatever. Absolutely, we need to pay attention to those people. Mm-hmm. But I think we also need to acknowledge that uh, with our heightened awareness, sometimes the pendulum swings to the other way. And then we stick labels on everybody who says, oh, my God, I feel so awful. I feel so crappy today. Well, yeah, because you just had a baby seven days ago.
1: Yeah. Your vagina is not and your vaginas are leaking. How else are you supposed to feel? Yeah.
0: You, you know, I don't know anybody who's, like, running through a field of lavender and sunflowers. Well, you're not supposed to be, for God's sake. You just had an episiotomy. <clears throat> you sit your ass down. And like we said, you're leaking fluid out of every hole in your body. You are <laughs> sleep deprived. All sorts of things, your entire life is turned upside down. Like, how the fuck else are you supposed to feel? Well, it that's... makes sense that you feel shitty. The, the issue is... Are you
2: are you st- continuing two to weeks, feel three shitty? Weeks, and weeks, shitty four weeks. Yes. Or are you still and is it shitty? not
0: going away? It's not easing up. It's not getting any better. Right. That's when there's an issue. Yeah, but I think what? we
1: need to say that one of those things. like so what you just said—that hardness. Oh boy, do I remember the hardness. Mm-hmm. I mean, that hardness. The realizing I did. I as a, as the person did not realize this hardness yeah and now i feel alone in the hardness yes that then that's i think the leads to yes. the, pa- the pathology it, it tips you into the yep. depression because now it's the loneliness now yep. it's the isolation yep. this is what i such a huge thing about support 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 yes and like, it's not just a, the ugh. you as a postpartum depression postpartum doula often we just have to be be in that place, be in that hardness yes. and say, yeah, today is not a great day. So, you know, so, haul your ass to bed. We're going to just, yes. we're going to get that laying down, nursing really locked down today and we're going yeah. to feed you lots of good and, stuff. and
0: as postpartum doulas, we're not psychologists, we're not therapists, no. we're not medical or clinical people. And so many times with our clients, all they need is for us to acknowledge mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's this shit is hard. hard. Yeah. And you're, look at you standing up. Yeah. <laughs> look at you dealing with the hardship Mm -hmm. and let's talk about what it feels like and let's talk about how you can expect the next week or two to go and beyond that there's other stuff that we can do if it's not going away but let's acknowledge that it's hard do you want some soup here yeah do you want to cry here's some kleenex like yeah let's
2: let's talk about you want to go
1: cry in the shower it's a great place to cry yeah i will look after after the
2: baby Mm -hmm. i got to go pee keep talking you're gonna pee yourself. yeah
1: oh i see you've got your snazzy scrub pants on Oh, yeah. Stretchy, stretchy. I love them so much. They're not stretchy,
2: but they're loose and nice. <laughs> um, I think it's also important to acknowledge that um, postpartum mood disorders can also affect partners. So yeah. There's, now, I, I joke and go, you fucking guys couldn't just give us this, right? You needle <laughs> in on on our postpartum shit, too. But can but, you but, imagine being my partner? Uh, no, I'm surprised and, and Roger didn't end up <laughs> down a fucking rabbit hole of depression. <laughs> Honestly, the guy's the same. Um, But I think it's important really to recognize that, yes, a male postpartum depression is an actual thing. But I think the other the thing that goes along with that that makes it more difficult is that. There's also that machismo thing for many men where they don't talk about feelings. They don't talk about their shit. They Uh just shove it down, you know, back into the bottom of their peg leg. And they're like, oh, I don't have feelings. Meanwhile, all that starts to build and build and build and build until it explodes. And... We have to recognize also that when there is a post, so in your case, you know, a lot got put on Roger, I'm assuming, Uh where he had to do a lot more than what he probably thought was going to have to happen. So I know for me, my husband had to take on a lot of stuff like cleaning the house um, and making sure that the kids were in bed. And I got food into people, but that was pretty much the extent of what I was doing. So I know a lot got dumped on him. And I think it's important that male partners, if they are experiencing, or as a doula, if you are seeing that, you know, they're taking on, the partner is taking on a lot more, that they find someone to talk to as well. Not, and again, it, we're not sticking a pathology on it that they need to take medication or anything, but they definitely do need to talk to somebody about it. Um, They've and been I, through a life-changing experience as well. Exactly. They're, they're in a life-changing experience. Exactly. And they're deserving of support. And they want to, men especially, want to fix. They want to make everything right. They want to make everything better. But when their partner is in this, you know, as you say, a rabbit hole of depression, it's hard to fix that. You can't fix it. They have to have somebody else to fix it. So they themselves need to find somebody to talk to. And if they're not going to talk to a professional, fine. But maybe we talk to a male friend, your dad somebody you know who has been through this and i say male because i think they need the male perspective in talking with that they can't talk about it with a female friend first off that shit's not going to fly very well with your wife if you're talking about the shit that you're going through with it's a female life. friend right um, don't go down that rabbit don't hole. even come within a hundred feet of that rabbit hole She'd kill you. Um, yeah, try coming home after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but we'll write that spe- down that's <laughs> an idea for a whole other podcast. Um, sp- so speaking to someone who, if it's not going to be a doctor, as I say, a hockey buddy, someone you feel good enough that you can open up to to actually say, shit, man, this is What was it like for you? Because this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I thought it was going to be. And sometimes just taking that step to say, (coughs) I did not expect this, is huge. It's a big weight to get lifted so that your male buddy on the hockey team goes, oh, shit, yeah, buddy, no, ours was, this was really hard for us too, right? And again, acknowledging the hardness.
1: You know, it's interesting. I
2: had never thought of this before. Again, I
1: can't believe this just went right past me, but... Um, a guy, friend of ours, uh, separated from his fiance after they had their child. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it one day and talking about, you know, therapy and how to work things out and whether to choose to work mm-hmm. things out. And he looked me point blank in the face. He goes, she's just not a nice person stuff. She goes, she doesn't want to be nice. She doesn't want to engage. She doesn't want to heal this. And he goes, I can't be with her with someone who doesn't want to be well. And it never occurred to me at that time that this was possibly postpartum depression going on because it mm-hmm. was very different mm-hmm. than before. Beforehand, he said, you know, she was a little shallow and stuff, but, you know, we didn't have kids. So, yeah, shallow things were a big thing because I, I was shallow before we had our kid. Mm-hmm. But he's he said that afterwards it they tried to hold on for about a year after their kiddo was born. And it, he's like, I just can't and I don't want to. I don't, I'm not putting my energy there. I, I'm a parent now. Um and it's over. And he was just very point blank about it. But I could see the pain in him that he had, he really wanted this family. Yeah. But he, as a fixer. He wasn't going to have it with her. He wasn't going to have it with her. Because yeah. there was no want to page. fix anything. Yeah. It, but interestingly, they
2: were both struggling with. But they weren't struggling together. But they weren't mm-hmm. struggling together. They were struggling um, at opposite ends. And they were, they weren't coming together to make that decision to say, hey. Shit's not good. We need to try and fix this. Mm -hmm. And if we try and fix it and it gets fixed, great. If we try and fix it and it's not going to get fixed, at least we tried. Yeah. But you see a lot of time it's actually quite common where a baby comes into the mix and the marriage falls Falls apart. apart. And that's unfortunate. But that's why you need to fucking talk to your partner and actually have... A discussion with them yeah. about what is happening and how things are gonna be afterwards how you're go- how are
0: we gonna function day to day yeah after the baby is born and listen I'm the last person to be given relationship advice <laughs> I probably am too <laughs> but I we do, need know, to have Roger I do on. know I do <laughs> know what does not work I could tell you that
2: I know it doesn't work either
0: <laughs> you do need to at least have the same foundation you need to be standing on the same
2: path yeah i would say you need to be at least in the same book some people aren't even in the same book let alone the same chapter exactly so if you both realize that the relationship
0: is important if you both have the relationship as a priority whatever issues that come up so this can apply to any other issues too whatever issues that come up that's always going to be like right in your faces. You're going to deal with the issues with that in your in your face. As soon as one of those people lets the relationship as priority go, yeah. it's the beginning of the end or the end for sure. The relationship has to be a priority for whatever, even in the depths of your thing, whatever you're going through, could doesn't have to be postpartum depression, it could be anything. In the depths of your thing, if you can turn to your partner and say, you were my rock, you were my person that my lifeboat or whatever mm-hmm. i'm going through this and it feels disgusting and horrible and gross but i need you beside me or whatever it is then it has a chance to make it through if you both feel that way yeah but the minute that that relationship is not a priority yep. no nah, no it's not gonna
2: it's not and no matter what you do it never is gonna be
0: You've, and unless you both, unless somehow people can make a conscious decision that they're going to make their marriage a priority, not even a marriage, the relationship, they're going to make the relationship a priority. But if it's not, then you're operating on your own.
2: Yeah. And that in itself is even more. People
0: stay together through that shit. We talk about the old days. Yeah my parents my grandparents or whatever those people should not have been together i don't know how but my they mom stayed, stayed together with my dad. yeah they stay together anyway yep. now we've got different standards so sure you could still stay together but i'm talking about a happy whole healthy relationship both people need to be committed to the relationship, talking through the shit, looking at all the garbage and the yeah. disgusting, horrible stuff and being committed to the struggle to get through it and as get, hard as and it is. And guess what,
2: people? You're not a mind reader and you're not with a mind reader. You actually have to verbalize and speak out and say the shit in order to actually fix the shit, what do you Can't, like? Nobody. I'm gonna. Oh, look at Suzanne. She's not. I'm gonna, no, assume, I'm that, gonna assume. I'm gonna assume that, that, that,
0: that something is happening. So, what do you exactly. think, Steph? The person who actually is in a stable, yeah, healthy relationship. relationship. <laughs> What's your opinion wow. now that we've told you what we think? <laughs>
1: Once again, they do single people from, from divorce families. Oh, once again, God love that man Mm -hmm. (laughs) who tolerated all of that and went through a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, good Lord, that poor man. So, you know, we talked about who do you reach out to? Um, Roger was getting my rage and usually my sister would get the other stuff, but to add shit to the pile... Abby was born in June, and my sister went on life support in August. So my that was the time where again, fucking Roger took time off work to walk downtown core with my child strapped to him. Our child, I guess, strapped to him. You guess. Well, I was in the hospital (laughs) with my sister. Our (laughs) child, I guess. And And that's
2: another podcast. And he would
1: bring her back to the hospital so I could breastfeed her, and then he'd continue walking around the downtown core so that I could be With my sister who's on life support, mm-hmm. so um, oh my, god. my
2: god, can we just clone <laughs> that man? What the? I'd fuck? like
1: to sometimes, some days, for when he's on a trip. Uh, I'll buy one, I'll I'll buy be-
2: I will <laughs> buy one too. Oh, Sh- bad one. looking, shiny Sh- new package. Hello, <laughs>
1: Seriously. bring that guy over. But my support system, who I viewed as my support system, was gone. Um, you know, an integral think- part of your support system because Roger can't be your everything. No. As no. amazing as partners are, they can't be your everything. No. no. Not at all. Um and it's, it was a gift for Roger when I would call him my carry. I'm like, oh my goodness, you're becoming my carry mm. for this. And, mm. <laughs> and, he, and did that, he, that like puff him up a little? It <laughs> did. Because he knew the <laughs> yeah. priority of my relationship with my sister and that she was my person. So mm-hmm. I was like oh, that's very you're becoming my carry there. And so he actually became my friend like a good trusted friend you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over time but um interestingly not while we were initially married but over time the friendship grew um where you genuinely believe someone's going to stay initially you don't believe i don't know about you guys i initially i just kind of went into marriage believing it
2: could end oh of course, you already had a relationship that you already had a marriage that ended already. That's right, and I came so. from a broken home. Right, right. So,
1: so. you didn't have good examples. No, no. I just
2: assumed eh, things get hard. You See, I was the up, opposite. Right? I was like, "Wait, what? That, no? No, we, we stay, Your parents are together. My parents are together. This is why. What is happening here?" Well, and, I, and I knew on my wedding day that it wouldn't work.
1: I'm gonna get
2: a couple kids
0: out of you,
1: and then five
0: or yeah. I'm not even kidding. I knew on, I'm, on the way down to with my dress and my flowers and people said to me, Oh, you're getting married and I immediately knew. (gasps) So you knew So you knew he he was was your first
2: husband. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I knew he was gonna be my first Yeah, I'm doing this for the first this is the first time. (laughs) Round one. Let's watch this space. (laughs) Round number
1: two (laughs) Um, focusing on the relationship is because you're focusing on your unfortunately your your support system whereas where we don't have one built in mm-hmm. um if we haven't been raised watching that yeah. those supports are normal yeah it makes it harder to ask yes for it. not just like any day where you're not pregnant and you're saying oh i need to yeah. hand with something when you haven't watched support happen in the postpartum yes it's not normal you don't yeah. what we see is the again i want to say june cleaver but really also the brady bunch the brady bunch had fucking alice okay oh, we, all, yeah. we all need a Bill, fucking so alice live in right live in hell live in hell yeah. right to carol brady had live in hell that's right mm-hmm. um and my friend sherry and i used to call each other our wives it's like you're you're my other wife because we would pick things up for each other and trade off and stuff and although she wasn't in my house mm. i had like a personal assistant i had a wife mm-hmm. in in sherry when i lived in ajax um and we all need that. We need that kind of partnership. We need that kind of support. And I think where that's normal, we don't necessarily experience the same initial steps of postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. We embrace our blues. We have our blues. We kind of allow ourselves blues yeah, um, without pathologizing it. Um, and it, they always say, when we do pathologize it, they say early intervention is the best route to... Mm-hmm. To preventing move, to preventing psychosis and psychosis and development <laughs> yes. of the depression. Yeah. That's and I think in those sets where you do have and you feel deserving of and welcoming of postpartum help whether it's you're moving into your mom's house, your auntie's house or you're getting yourself a postpartum doula, mm-hmm. if you genuinely are believing you are fully needing this, this is normal. Yeah. This yeah. is normal. Yeah. Then it doesn't necessarily develop into that ugliness where yes. you don't see it as normal, where your brain is not acknowledging it as normal, where you're a failure because you yep. accepted yes. help, mm-hmm. where you're the problem because yep. your house needs help. That man, that manifests, and then it it grows like a fungus, yes. you know, and it 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 overtakes yes. you, and you're now you're left in this judgmental place of not enough. And boy, if that doesn't send you down the rabbit hole of depression, I don't know what will. And yes. then that, that changes your hormones and your hormones yes. then Yes, and it's like this it. compounding, horrible thing. That's right. So if hard can be normal. Yes, hard can be normal. You're sleep deprived. You haven't had, you know, more than six hours of sleep this week. How the fuck else are you supposed
0: to feel besides no, exactly. shitty?
1: But the baby blues talk to your brain and tell you
0: it feeds and that, that you're on not top of mom. everything else go on instagram and you're not looking like that chick on instagram therefore it must be your fault and here's it must be the because al- you're doing something wrong until you therefore you are a failure
1: there's the perfect instagram but then there's also the moms who show up on instagram in their diaper and but still having fucking love time the, to post a picture of those themselves. ones i yeah. do love them but at the same time it's like they're kind of you know making a face or whatever who has fucking time yeah to, no, to, exactly to take Genuinely speaking, I think I would I would embrace that more if you literally sat up out a bed, put your phone in front of you and said, "Oh fuck, I think I loaded my diaper. I think I am I bled through tonight." Like it's I it it, it still seems a little contrived. Yeah, that's exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Because yeah.
0: if you imagine yourself like put your mind back into that place, well, you just had a baby. It's been 3 days or however long. What sort of thought process do you have to go through in order to say, I'm going to put this out there? There's got to be... What am I trying to say? There's, there's something different. Like back in the day when there was no social media, mm-hmm. right? You just struggled and clawed your way through day after day after day. There has to be... There is a, a sort of like a disconnect. Mm-hmm. You've got to rise up out of yourself to say, I'm going to put this on social media so other people can see what I'm going through.
2: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is Which it a, is different is it a cry from... for help. Is yeah. it because I know I and I'll be honest, for me, sometimes some of the stuff that I post on social media is basically me not able to admit that bad shit is happening, but to say there's bad shit happening, but I put it out onto this piece of technology that I throw it out there hoping that somebody will see it. I so can the, help you yeah because let's keep in mind that the postpartum brain it's not rational yeah 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 right so it doesn't it doesn't always see things as you know rational because I mean it's this whole social media thing is very new
0: yes it's I mean it's new only within Facebook has been around for a very long time i am like ten years or more. 15 nice. years, I don't know, something whatever. Like that. But that's fairly new but Instagram, the images, like it's a, it's like a different format and that's pretty new for me anyways. I've only Oh yeah. So let's say over the last 5 years or so. And what I'm trying to figure out is even the people who are really open and honest and brutally raw about their experiences, mm-hmm. that there's something different about that process, that thought process than the person who either couldn't give a shit about what anybody else thinks or says about their experience or doesn't feel the need at all for anybody or doesn't want anybody to look into their private situation that there's there's a lifting yourself out of yourself to
1: to be able to say hey everybody look at me and what I'm going through do you know what I'm trying to say like there's something and I think it's that way for some people and for other people, it's the cry for help or it's the, the I don't want to feel alone in this, media. so I have to put it out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we weren't raised in it, so it looks no. a little more peculiar to us, whereas those who are going through it, who are in it, yes. this is how they say, I don't want to be alone in this, so I'm posting. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I see that
0: sometimes and I, maybe, maybe if I was a new, a new parent today, if I had a baby today, I would be, and, <clears throat> and so Instagram is a part of my world, I would do that, But because I wasn't raised in it, I still, I'm on Instagram a lot, Mm -hmm. but I am not talking about my deep, dark things because I just can't. And that might be because I wasn't raised in that, put it all out there. Right. Let everybody see it. Maybe somebody will help or just... I simply cannot. And m- part of it, too, is personality. I don't want people to see me as somebody who is struggling. I only reveal that to select people, mm-hmm. not the 800 followers. No, nope. <laughs> not all of that. So that it might be a generational thing, too.
1: Oh, I'm sure. That I just. Ooh. So then we need to evolve as doulas. Because this is who we're serving now.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. As opposed to necessarily pulling them into our there's certain there's most certainly always value brought from a previous generation into yeah what I we mean, do yeah but for us evolving and seeing how they are communicating how yeah. they're putting it out there they oh, yeah how they're I see that for help. I'm just I'm not doing it myself no, no, no I can't no. but it is part of our learning is to know the birthing families now yes no I'm I'm frankly yeah.
0: surprised sometimes and shocked at some of the brutal rawness of people's experiences that they share on social media and while i appreciate it i i couldn't i couldn't do it and again that might be a genera- gener- generational thing so i will talk about for instance Oh, I've talked about that. Never mind. That's a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something that I haven't shared. But I uh, there are, there's, there's a line. I'm not going to. Certain things I'm not going to say. Certain weaknesses or fears or doubts or anxieties or whatever that I'm not going to divulge
1: on social media because... It's too... That's not how you process them. No. Some, vulnerable. Today, people are processing them that, that way. You have your own way of processing your vulnerable feelings.
0: Yes. And it has nothing yeah, to do... Yeah, and it doesn't have with... anything to do with social media. No. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think for me... Oh, so
0: it's a way of processing. Yeah. Okay. Talking about sense. my
2: depression and whatnot on Facebook and whatnot, I do it really because I'm absolutely not ashamed of it. I yeah. It is what I went through and it is what I still go through because I actually it do... It is what it is. I actually suffer from depression. I realize now that my postpartum depression has probably evolved into actual day to day depression. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, there are times when I'm in that black hole and I just need to get some shit out and I just and I will I will talk about it on social media. And they're sort of and, a
0: ready audience
2: kind yeah. of Yeah. And and I'm not doing it I do it Partly to say, look, you know what, I'm struggling, so when I drop a ball or, you know, some shit doesn't get done, this is why. um, Because I am struggling right now. And this past few months have been really bad for me right now. Um, But then also to say, hey, you know what, you're not alone. I got you. I am here. I know and I understand. Yeah. Um, How do you feel when you see other people put out that they're dealing with their depression then? Well, part of me wants to fucking help them. But then the other part of me is like, okay, I don't need really know this person. I got to step back. I got to not take that on because I myself am already struggling. I can't take on somebody else's stuff. I just, this, this, oh my God, I just had like an aha moment. I just did the Enneagram Hmm?
0: test. You know, the Enneagram personality. I haven't done it, but I know it. Yeah. Yeah. I've done it three times. (laughs)
2: Okay. Three different tests. Oh yeah. We talked about it in the last episode. Did we? Yeah. And your, a your helper, supporter or something like that? Helper yeah. type two.
0: Well, I did yeah. it again. I did like an official from the Enneagram Institute. I paid 10 bucks actually. <laughs> I got the whole thing sent to me. And it just occurred to me that I'm not willing to have people see my deep, dark, whatever. I can't put that out there. But when, I, when somebody says, oh, I'm struggling with this and that, I do want to get in there to say, well, let's get in there and figure this out. Yeah. I totally want to do that. So it's a it's also a personality thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not just generational. It's also personality mm-hmm. that I am afraid of letting people see that because it, I'm that's not who I am. I'm the one who fixes helps you. Right. Yeah. I'll let you know. Well, if you I can be help both. Uh, yeah, you can. So I'm not, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't say I was a healthy
2: type two. <laughs> I'm just, just a type two. two. Just type two. Yeah. 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 Right. Interesting. Well, we're getting, oh, it's 115. Mm, so mm. you have a birth story, correct? I do. Can we take a little break? So we can, can absolutely take a break. So let's take a break and go pee and all of this stuff. And I think this has been a very cool and enlightening subject matter. Agree. Um, we, we hope did, you agree. Yeah, we hope you agree. If not, sorry about your luck. Um, but we did have a question that I cannot... I can no longer find from somebody we're who from was, the pragmatic duals yeah um, who was following us on I don't know if it got deleted and while we were sitting here but um about uh basically they go through they have pretty bad PMS mm-hmm. um mm. and does that is that an indicator of having bad postpartum depression after you have a baby it actually is, it is. One it's a of risk the, factor it is a risk factor yeah. it's not a guarantee though no, no. so because your hormones are different no risk exactly. factor is guaranteed no it just means it's but I respect. think it's important to acknowledge that maybe this is a thing and then have, before having a baby, have in place yeah. um, a support system so that yeah. if it does happen, then you do have, as we talked about, that support system to to help you. Yeah. Um, and that was from Britt Evans, who was uh, following us on the Instagram Live.
1: I love that she knows <sighs> yes. that she has
2: premenstrual rage. Yeah. And it is... She didn't call it that. but no, but... A, you know, she has hormonal PMS. issues. That's right. Um, yeah.
1: The way she swings, the way her hormones swing, create yeah. that reaction. It's different hormones after you have a baby. Yes. But sometimes so we are in the habit of dealing with those the same swings way. just through habit. I, I, yeah. I often say, I say this to my class too, that
0: all of the big hormonal things in a, the life of a female, so if you start like at puberty, we we kind of have years, right? To work yeah. our way through puberty. When you get pregnant, you have months to adjust the ups and downs of pregnancy. Even menopause. Yeah. We deal with menopausal, premenopause, and menopausal symptoms for years. Yes.
2: A lot over, of the time. Over a span of so, time. This
0: time. This postpartum period. Yep. Six it's well, weeks. Six short. weeks. Do it. Get over it. You're healed. Six weeks, you go to the doctor, get a stamp on you, and you're supposed to move on through your life. You got six weeks that your uterus shrinks down in six weeks, and you're good. You're and allowed to have sex and, now. And yeah. that's bullshit. That's It right. really, really is bullshit that it, it's not six weeks. It has and nothing to do. And we need to we stop moving through that. That yeah. just because we've we've made we, the clinical, clinically, your uterus does take that amount of time to get back to pre-pregnancy size. We can't use that as a marker. No. For how you're going to feel. Yeah. So we need to extend it. At least, you know, I love that whole fourth trimester. Yeah. Oh, um, well, even beyond concept. that.
1: We, we are postpartum. Or beyond that if you need for a year. It. I'm nineteen years postpartum. That's what yes. I'm, <laughs> That's what I'm yes. gonna say. We are never not. You're <laughs> never not postpartum. Yeah. Whether, whether you came with a baby or not. Yes. yes. You know, true, true. You are still
2: postpartum. Yeah, true. I'm you fifteen are st- years postpartum. There mm-hmm. you
1: go. It mm-hmm. is you are still postpartum. Yeah,
2: that yeah. is it, and I will be till I die. All Um, right. All right. Um, let's a take break. a break. Go
1: pee. Get yourself right. a drink. Well, I did want to mention before we get off that uh, Jesus, we're, we're not nice. getting this off. is going to be we're the We're taking long... a break. We're taking a break, yeah, and then yeah. we're doing what? The story. This is a story. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Check our Facebook page. We will list a bunch of postpartum depression resources for your clients. Oh, great! Great! Perfect!
2: There you go. Yes. Great idea. Great idea. All right. Okay.
0: All right.
2: Bye. Bye. Okay, Hi. so we're back. We have a birth story. We do and, have uh, a birth story. We're gonna go do this. St- <laughs> we're gonna do this. St- so if uh we don't get a lot of birth stories anymore, but we have noticed uh, on our analytics that we have listeners, hopefully, and they're not just bots. Yeah. Hopefully, outside mm-hmm. of. North America, in Australia, Britain, Brazil, oh Ireland. Tell um, us your stories. Yeah. We want to know Far away that people. stuff. Yeah. And yeah. also, what was I going to say? What's your birth culture like? Yeah. There's this belief that in Brazil, it's a 90% cesarean section, right? Is, is that, that true? Is it true? Come on. Is it not true? Yeah. Um, so yeah, let us know about your what's happening in your country. Mm-hmm. All right. Please share that with us. Okay, so I've got a birth story that was sent in to me
0: by a very dear person. And um, I am going to be using her first name. But I'm going to be leaving some other identifiers out. (laughs) 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 And um, uh, it's awesome. I love this birth story. Okay, dear Suzanne, I hope you're doing well. I've been wanting to email you back for a while now to let you know about how my labor went. Especially after we had spoken over the phone, and you had been so kind to answer many of my questions, I had a healthy baby boy on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> a Friday, one some Friday or the other. He was born at two point six four kilograms. What is that? I don't do for kilos. I'll check it out. Um, two point six four kilograms at thirty nine weeks and two days. I arrived at the hospital, on Thursday...
2: That's tiny, like maybe six... Almost six pounds? Under almost six, six pounds. pounds.
0: Okay. I arrived at the hospital on Thursday at around 2 p.m. to be induced. At this point, I was two centimeters dilated, 80% effaced. Nice start. Yeah. Before even labor started. Yeah. I wanted to first have my waters broken, wait a bit, and then, if needed, be given the oxytocin. I had to insist for this to happen as the OB staff there at the time was letting me know that there was no point waiting at all between breaking my waters and that's, the oxytocin.
2: That's so much what? bullshit. I mean. That's bullshit.
0: Ugh. Uh, since no one really started
2: contractions on their own. What? What? So now all labors need oxytocin? Yeah, apparently. Is that? You will never go into labor on your own and all those people that do do it around the world, you're an anomaly.
0: Ugh. she She said that they'll give me my antibiotics i was gbs positive break my waters and give me oxytocin all at the same time no baby although i respected her professional judgment i also remember feeling quite upset at the way she shared her perspective because she seemed to be impatient with my questions and wanting to rush the process hmm i i would say that that's accurate really yeah probably (laughs) i was already feeling stressed about getting induced and So I requested to wait for the next OB on call, who also happened to be the OB I saw throughout my pregnancy. Nice. She was arriving at six p.m. It's really rare that that happens at this hospital. Any hospital. Yeah. Anyway, so we waited, and I had the antibiotics, and then they ended up breaking my waters at around six forty-five p.m. I started contracting on my own. Oh, imagine (gasps) that! Oh, I started contracting on my own very soon after. And so I walked around and did some stairs for a good three hours. Oh, my stairs? God. <laughs> I did not tell her to do that.
2: How did she get into
0: a stairwell? That's true. Because <laughs> the stairwells at that hospital are so... Icky. Weird and creepy and hidden. Um, my contraction. I don't even know if there
2: is a stairwell. From if there's floor. ever a fire <laughs> in that hospital, I'm fucked. Because I don't know from the labor and delivery ward. Where's the stairs? Where the fuck are the stairs? Anyways, no, right. we we'll to talk about that, about that. Um, You know I'll be My contractions
0: were three to five minutes apart for a while. They then checked my cervix. I was four centimeters. That's they started nice. monitoring my contractions along with the baby's heart rate and said I would need the oxytocin to get things going.
2: It's, it's already going. I hate to tell yeah. you. Yeah.
0: So I was given oxytocin at around 9.30 p.m. So hold on. Let me... 6.45, she started having contractions
2: three hours two hours three almost
0: three almost three hours they decided no it's not working so we need oxytocin okay i was laboring on my own with the oxytocin and that's when it started getting more painful and intense as i was it, as hooked as it does as labor does i was hooked to the telemetry machine and was mainly using the birth ball and going to sit on the toilet often good girl well, there the you go. Love it. I was also eating throughout my whole labor. Yay! Yes, you can eat. Small meals and smoothies. My husband made sure I was staying hydrated. Excellent. You, Good job. At around 1 a.m., I think, while on the birth ball, I started getting urges to push with my contractions. At first, I was just focused on coping with the pain, but it kept happening, and so my husband went to tell the resident. The resident came to tell me I could not push, and that had I had to resist the urge since I was only four centimeters. Three hours, two hours ago. And it was very unlikely I progressed much in three hours. Because residents are psychic, aren't they? Yeah.
2: They're, they're, They've are they got conceived. the crystal
0: ball right into your cervix. And yeah. so
2: they know. Whatever. <laughs> um, I'm sorry if you're a resident listening to this. We have no faith in you. Um, unless you do good works. I told him I couldn't resist the urge. Oh, let me read that again. I told him I couldn't resist the urge.
0: <laughs> so that's probably more like it. <laughs> I can't. He then wanted to check my cervix. Hmm. When he checked, oh, guess what? It turned out I was already 10 centimeters dilated. And so the pushing phase began with everyone rushing into the room. Our baby came out after about seven minutes of pushing. <laughs> no problem on me. <laughs> yep, yeah, just tiny little tears around the vagina. Woohoo! He was born at 127. So, from breaking my waters until he was out, labor took less than seven hours. That's awesome. The telemetry machine was definitely a game changer. Mm-hmm. I would not have been able to use the birth ball or to walk around after they gave me the oxytocin, which probably would have significantly slowed my labor. I was also really happy to have been able to go through the whole process without an epidural. Epidural, why did I say it like that? <laughs>
2: epidural an
0: epidural an epidural as soon as i arrived at the hospital and saw the first nurse i requested that one no one offered to give me an epidural at any point during my labor and two that i would eat throughout my labor good for you wow thank you again for all your help. you allowed me to feel more informed and empowered about my labor even though it was induced which i think made a huge difference in my mindset going in i hope you enjoyed reading this and i hope you have a great week The baby is pictured below at two weeks of age. is doing well and gaining good weight with breastfeeding so far. Take care, Khadijah. All right. Oh, my God. Thank
2: you, Khadijah. That was
0: awesome. I love it.
2: Excellent. All right. Mm -hmm. Cool.
0: So we have got a planning session. Yep. Now we are going to, are we going to go for sushi? Yes. Thank God. I'm starving. I know. I'm starving, too. And um, we're going to plan all the good good stuff for you guys. Really, really, really. What episode is this? 45.
2: Beauty. All right. Well, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Remember to do it. Tell your friends. All right. Tell your
0: neighbors. Tell your coworkers. And get on there. Send us your birth stories. Send us your stories, especially if you live...
2: Outside of North America. Outside of North
0: America. Anywhere <laughs> or inside America.
2: North America. I don't care at this Actually, point. Actually, yes. Just, Just send us stuff, please. To thepragmaticdoulas at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh, and we have a Facebook group now. We have a Facebook group. Yes. um, You can join that. Get on there and chat in- us up. Instagram, Twitter. We are everywhere. Stuff. My dog is barking. All right. Okay. Have Bye. a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.